With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Welcome to another episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. As we reflect on uh, another huge game in Everton's um, battle to stay in the Premier League, um, unfortunately it was a stalemate uh, down there at Vicarage Road, but uh, the Blues continued their uh, unbeaten record as they look to um, preserve their top flight status. And we uh, now go into the final week of the season with Everton having home games against Brentford and Crystal Palace before that trip to the Emirates to face Arsenal on the final day. I'm joined by our Everton correspondent, uh, Joe Thomas, and our regular um, guest, Gavin Buckland. And if I start with you, Joe, obviously you were down at Vicarage Road on Wednesday night. Um, was a sense of uh, disappointment that they, Everton couldn't get a second away victory of the week? Absolutely. Uh, I think it was a real missed opportunity, Watford away, to, to really put Everton on the cusp of Premier League survival. And I think that that feeling was clear from the, the fan base and everybody associated with the club in, in the immediate aftermath. I mean, we're 36 hours on from that now. And, and if I'm honest, I'm still trying to process in my head what I think about that result and performance. But in the immediate aftermath, you know, Frank Lampard was was very keen to say about how Everton should be level-headed and, you know, appreciate how far they have come in, in recent weeks. And the more I... The more I look back on it, as disappointed as I was that Everton couldn't find a way to extend the worst you know, losing home streak in the Premier League and, and and also extend their own away away success after the, the Leicester game, I think it has to still be seen as a as a point game, especially when borne in mind um, with the context of, of what happened to Leeds and their form and, and also Everton's form you know, before Leicester, before last Sunday. You know, it's been December the 16th since they'd avoided defeat away from home. You know, one win away at Leicester, battling performance and important three points, doesn't change the fact that this is still a team that's in a relegation battle for, you know, for perfectly legitimate reasons because it's struggled all season. And, you know, you take away, obviously Watford had an injury crisis and were already relegated. And I can completely understand the disappointment not being able to make more of that match. But as I reflect on it with more and more time passing, I think it was an important game not to lose in the context. Yeah. I mean, Gav, I suppose I mean, we were all positive going into that game. It had been a huge result at, at the weekend. But did we expect too much really in that, OK, Watford had been relegated and they had that terrible losing streak, but then Everton hadn't won away from home all season since August until the weekend. And then we're asking them to win three games on the spin when they'd only just won two games consecutively the first time all season. Well, since the first weeks of the season. Absolutely. I mean, we've been in the bottom four since, what, early February for good reason, aren't we? Because, we're, yeah. let's face it, we're not a very good team, are we? If you're going to be brutally honest, um, 
and and our league position reflects the, the the weaknesses within the within the team and within the squad. So I mean, did some stuff this week. How you know, if we'd had a good manager, we would have been seventh or eighth this season. I just don't agree with that whatsoever. We are where we are because the, the squad is limited. What we've done over the last few weeks is the combination of great support off the pitch and Frank having a plan on it. We've managed to have a decent run. Fortunately for us against teams with not a lot to play for, which I think we need to factor in. But we have got the results, which you know I think is you know is laudable. You know, but, but what Wednesday showed and Joe's had just alluded to it was, it was just a a reminder that actually, you know, we are where we are for the reason, and that's because we're a struggling team with weaknesses at the back, in the middle, and, and up front, struggle to score goals. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a limited, so to expect, you know, I think we've all fell into this sap, I suppose, in our <laughs> pre match predictions, you know, that we're going to go to Watford and overrun them in the same, same way, say West Ham beat Norwich 4 0, didn't they, on, on Sunday? Which you think is a good barometer of where we are and where they yeah. are. Similar type games. I mean, West Ham won for cruising. You know, we didn't do that on Wednesday because we're substantially way behind West Ham. So it was a reminder, but at the same time, it was a good point. And I'm just just thinking that again, the fixes fell for us and kickoff times fell for us nicely, didn't they? On on Wednesday, I'm just wondering whether our tactics on Wednesday were knowing that Leeds have gone one goal behind them with a red card early on on Wednesday. And, and I, I suspect some of our tactics was down to what was happening at more what was going on at Ellen Road than the Vicarage Road, to be honest with you. And we're just managing. I mean, to be fair for Frank, he's managed the last five games really well, I think, in terms of team selection and in-game. Management and we're not, you know, when you fall from bottom or third from bottom, whatever, you're not in a position to take gambles and change things down. Just just go for the safety option, and if you pick up points in most games, you're going to be okay. That's what's happened to us, and I didn't have a problem with that on Wednesday. Afterwards, I did have a problem during the game because it was, I was I, I turned down the game with five aside to, to watch that on Wednesday night, you know, and after about <laughs> 10 minutes, I thought we should play five aside now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not got a problem with it. I, I get the missed opportunity thing for me, but it wouldn't have been that would miss an opportunity would be going for a little bit and getting caught on the council and getting beat one nil, wouldn't it? Really? And uh, that was so put it, put it this way if we go down at the end of the season, it won't be because we've got only a point against Watford when we should have got three. Yeah, it's it would be what what happens in the next couple of games. Thankfully, yeah. hopefully, it won't go go for that um, because we got a point against Watford. So yeah, disappointing a little bit, but it was a reality check and a point in the circumstances. Considering other results is a pretty favourable evening for me. Yeah, and and Joe, I mean, look at the the positives from from the game. It's, it's another clean sheet. Did it do? Have that increased solidity now, and he's played that same way for a, a few a few matches now, and uh, it, it restricted uh, Watford to, to was it no shots on target or something like that. So I mean, they're they're obviously um, uh, improved and a lot more compact in that area at the moment. After the game, Frank paid a lot of attention to to how secure Everton looked at the back yeah. and how um, how important that was. 
to him and also how he's found a way in which the the team that he has available can play and, and be effective. And I think this is perhaps something that the, the cracks were perhaps papered over a little bit with the wins against Chelsea and Leicester. As, as brilliant as the win, as important as the win against Leicester was, you, know, you could still see from some of the passages of play that, that Leicester are a better footballing team than what Everton are at the moment. Yeah, Lampard's just found a way to be effective. And I think what Wednesday probably truly showed us is the it highlighted the limitations that exist within the group of players that he's got at the minute. Because I was somebody who went into that game thinking this is a chance to end this anxiety early. If Leeds lose to Chelsea, which we all wish they did and that was expected, if Everton were to go and win then it would be very difficult to, although I don't think we'd be mathematically safe by now, it'd be very difficult to see how Everton didn't stay up. But then when you reflect on it and you think, well, what would have to happen for Everton to be more aggressive, more attacking in that game? And you start to look back and you, you see exposed some of the problems that were an issue earlier on in the season. So the temptation might have been to have played four at the back and to try and push up the pitch. Well, if you look at who he's got available because of the injury situations, then that would mean Coleman operating as a right-back and obviously Keane's operating as a centre-back. And the minute you push them up to the halfway line because you're trying to push other teams back, the minute you come, you know, you are at risk of, of the ball over the top. And and being undone in a way that Everton were undone so often, you know, earlier this year. So... I can understand now, looking back on it, and obviously Lampard could see this in advance. He's working with those players every day. I can understand why he didn't want to sacrifice the structure and the solidity in the hope of chasing three points. Um, And perhaps, and I I get the impression that I think he probably, well, he obviously would have wanted to have won that game. I think he believed that Everton could still win that game without sacrificing that solidity, that they'd have enough talent on the pitch to to produce that that moment of magic. It would only be one moment of magic needed if they kept things tight at the back. And, you know, whether it was tiredness or, you know, lack of ability or just, you know, the, the draining nature of the intensity of games at the moment, Everton weren't quite able to find that. Frank said a lot after the game, you know, we got into really good positions in the final third quite often. So the issue wasn't necessarily the tactics because we didn't concede chances. And we got into the final third out wide in promising situations really well. The issue was just that end product on the pitch, which obviously he can work with players at, at Finch Farm. But sometimes games just do come down to in-game moments and whether or not a player can find that little bit of moment of magic. And maybe actually it wasn't necessarily the tactics that prevented Everton from getting three points the other day. It was it was just lacking that moment of quality or inspiration. And Obviously, again, one of the reasons I've been in the situation that they're in is because they, they have found it hard to find those moments of, of inspiration throughout the season. And, and therefore, we probably shouldn't be too surprised that they, they struggled to do so again on Wednesday. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, Gav, you've already alluded to problems all across the pitch. And I mean, Joe's just mentioned the, the firepower. I mean, other than just been checking the stats and other than the Burnley game when they scored from two penalties, I think... Before Leicester, you have to go back to the home game with Brighton Old Albion right to start the calendar year for them actually scoring two goals in a Premier League match. So it's obviously showing that the, 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 there are serious issues there in that final third of the pitch, and it, it remains a conundrum in this going into this last game of the last sorry last week of the season. Yeah, yeah, well, that's why the focus has been on defence, hasn't it, and yeah. grinding results out rather than making an open game. Yeah, I mean, if you if you have a look, we talked about this before the is it the Chelsea game? That was a seven goals in eleven Premier League games, couple nice. of penalties, three deflections, one from open play. And I mean, to be fair, you know, on the number of goals we scored in flanks tenure in open play situations has been limited, hasn't it? Mm. You know. 12 or 13 games, if you scored more than four or five, I'd be I'd be surprised. So, yeah, the, the conundrum is, it's not unsolvable. It's obviously not helped by Calvert-Lewin not being um, fit or firing or, well, more likely the latter. Um, but it is, going back to what Joe was saying there, poor decision. I think it's poor decision-making as much as poor quality, isn't it? On, 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 on Wednesday... I think it was two instances in the first half. I think a Wolby should have shot, shouldn't he? Rather than, you know, when Richarlison played him in, he, ran, he has a clear run on goal and he's just sort of stopped for a bit when he should have shot. And I think Gordon got three in one stage in, his, in the first half and it was just poor decision-making. And our set pieces, I mean, an Everton game wouldn't be complete now unless later on we get an Anthony Gordon corner that goes out for a goal kick, doesn't it, really, in that? That happens yet again on Wednesday. So it's our quality set piece delivery is not great. And if you're not scoring from open play, great, get your set pieces right. And we're not getting that right. I'll be scored from one on, 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 on Sunday. So I don't think it's a conundrum that's going to be solved this year, is it? It's going to be solved, I think, when we get maybe reinvigorate things during the summer. How we do that is obviously a different uh, question entirely. But we need, we need a... We need to play, make it up, a bit more quality in midfield, more creativity. That'd be my starting point. Yeah. I mean, because we've got no creativity in the midfield, have we? And that, that's something we need desperately. Yeah. I mean, um, Joe, we've obviously, um, we've, we've got Richarlison um, leading the line there at, at the moment, but I mean, there's options off the bench. We've mentioned Calvert-Lewin isn't, isn't firing the way he was last season. I mean, there's some comments we've got today from Salomon Rondon that are being used in, in the match day programme at, at the weekend. And, he, he, you know, he's admitting that, you know, he'd like to have scored more goals, but it's just staying up is the priority now and he's doing all he can to help the team. And it's interesting how he said then he bulked up during his time at Goodison Park as well. Yeah, I think that you know, Rondon's actually 
done quite well for us in in, in Calvert Lewin's recent a- absence. But you know, his strength has been literally his his strength is his, his size. You know, he's been the perfect player to come on and you know, whenever and have got a lead to protect to try and hold on to the ball. And you know, it's quite telling actually, I suppose, that when you look back at the Chelsea game and you look back at the the Leicester game away from home, that whenever and have had a one goal lead going to the last five, ten, fifteen minutes, they've gone rather than try and find a second goal to to seal the win, it's 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 protect the one that they have. I suppose it shows a realisation among the coaching staff again that goals are so hard to come by that you can't pin everything on trying to, you know, force something that just isn't happening. And that's probably why we've seen Rondon as opposed to, to Calvert-Lewin in the last few games. I know Calvert-Lewin's been coming back from injury, but he has been on the bench since 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 Chelsea. So, you know, I think Rondon has impressed me quite a lot with the way that he's just used his football, he's used his physical presence and he's used his football and intelligence. You know, it's really noticeable against against Chelsea when he came off those final final moments and now you know he was the first player on the on the on the pitch in that game to, to provide any kind of physical challenge to Ruben Loftus cheek you know, about 10 minutes ago he he just barged him off the ball as if he wasn't even there and Ruben Loftus cheek's a very strong player you know carries the ball to the the touchline and and just just takes a takes a sting out of the game again and he did the same against Leicester and you know one of the things that impressed me at Leicester was there was a point when because obviously you know he has got some technical ability as well. There's a point where he received the ball down in the corner, um, just inside the, the Leicester area, and he actually turned their last man and got to the byline and looked up. But such is the nature of, of whether it was Evans' tactics or just a lack of players around and reading the game. You know, if there'd been someone running onto the ball eight yards out, they'd have had a tap in for Rondon to find him, but there was just no one there. But then rather than say what some players might do and still flash a ball across the area, lose possession. Next thing you know, Leicester on the counter-attack, posing another threat. He turned again, took it into the corner and, and just wasted a bit of time. You know, I think that he he is one of several players that deserves credit for the role that, that he's played in, in Evans' recent form, you know, albeit small. And I think the, the coach and staff deserve credit for using him in the appropriate manner. We know he probably hasn't got 90 minutes in him. He probably doesn't have... 65 minutes in him but for somebody to come in in those last 10-15 minutes obviously you know, we want him to be scoring goals but if he can't score goals he can still help the team you know hold on to to, to, to points that are there for the taking and you know Evan have just got to get those points in any way they can and whilst we all might be disappointed that with 10-15 minutes to go they can't bring on a major attacking threat that can perhaps seal a deal and, and give us all a far more comfortable last 5-10-15 minutes if we can't do that, at least we've got someone that can come on, can hold the ball up, can be a physical threat, can be a nuisance, can cause a little bit of chaos and just help wind down the, the, the clock a little bit and, and make sure Everton do have the best opportunity to hold on to whatever points they've got at that stage in the game. Yeah. Um, before we move on to, obviously, this is weekend's uh, huge matches, as, as they all are. Just a bit of a sidestep here, um, Gav. Um Club announced this week that they confirmed that they're going on a tour of the US this summer. Uh, two fixtures um, play Arsenal yeah. and Baltimore. Obviously, uh, we know all about them but, uh, under Mikel Arteta. But they're also facing another ex-Blue, Adrian Heath, and his uh, Minnesota United uh, team um, out there as, as well. One of them MLS um, outfits. Um, obviously, Everton are a club uh, proud of, of the, the, the local support, but... 
think they should be do. Uh, this is a good step, um, sort of going out there and uh, taking it to the North American markets and lo looking at expanding things out there. I hope Arsenal turn up this year, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, delighted for this because, as you well know, Chris Aiden Heath is my favourite ever player of all time by Millie Mars. I love Inchi. So I was delighted to, um, to see that we're playing. Yeah, I'm still an office in my, Miami, is it? Couple yeah, they've opened an office in Miami as well. Yeah, as I know. Yeah, I know when we went last year. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just something you're obliged to do, aren't you, yeah. for, for sponsorship reasons, all that type of stuff. Get a few quid. The main the main problem just generally with football, in it, just generally football and overseas is you tend to overstate its importance. You know about how much you know what 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 clubs actually get from overseas is actually very limited. You know. So I was having a look at the sadly, I was at, for some reason looking at Liverpool's annual accounts from last year or something. Yeah. Got like 12 million quid from overseas out of like 550 million quid mm -hmm. turnover because the bulk of the bulk of the money comes from 500 million quid, whatever it was, comes from, from sponsorship. So actually, actually, on cash terms, what clubs get abroad from overseas stuff, it tends to be very much overstated. Right. So it, it's it, you know it's very difficult selling shirts, isn't it? You know, yeah, you have, you have, there's all sorts of logistics and customs and transportation costs. So we, we talk about cracking the American market, but there's probably no American market to crack for any, anybody really. You know, it, it it all tends to be PR as much as anything else. So and I don't get too het up about oh we we have not cracked America and all this. Well, nobody <laughs> has. You know, how do how do you do it? You know, not since so the floor. <laughs> yeah, you get, yeah. The, the, the club get criticised for, for doing yeah. stuff, but actually, in the great scheme of things, it doesn't make a lot of difference for virtually every club on the planet. Um, so I, I don't get too wrapped up about that. And I know, like last year, they, they got stick about how there wasn't enough merchandise there and and and, and so on. But it was so difficult last year to get merchandise mm. anywhere because of the restrictions and costs and stuff. So I, I don't. I, I, that's the first thing I'd say is just generally, but setting that aside, yeah, it's good to see them overseas, get the name out there and stuff. But you know, it, it's it's good PR. I, I don't I don't agree with the the criticism that they've had in in the past. You know, but we never took advantage of Tim Howard or whatever. But if you're a football fan in America and you're a Tim Howard fan, you're going to buy the American jersey, or <laughs> buy Everton jersey. You know. So, so I, I don't, I, I don't agree with any criticism that the club has got in the past, because like any other club, they swim against the tide. I think. Yeah. Well, it's good to see them out there. I think it'd be really interesting to to see Inchi. Yeah. Um, you know, and see what he's got to say, and you know, he's done well generally, hasn't he, on across the pond, and hopefully we play Arsenal, and that that be. And so, oh well, hopefully we don't kicked off the get kicked off the pitch by Arsenal. To be fair, um, yeah. So the good news, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't don't criticise the club. That is for me. I don't agree with that about it's one of those, isn't it? At, at the end of the day, as well. Like I kind of agree with what you're saying there, Gavin. The, the American market's kind of almost like this this unicorn in 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 the footballing <laughs> world, where you think that there is a massively untapped 
you know source of of support and and, and of income there and, and and there quite possibly is but for so long football has been trying to crack America and it's getting yeah. better and better um I suppose one thing that I I do think is probably a good thing about what Everton are doing there as well is obviously they, they keep going back so that they're kind of you know they're, they're building a consistency there so that obviously we've got a World Cup this year and, and one thing that has developed over the past 20 years is is the American the ability of the American national team and you know they, they're going into the World Cup later this year with a side that probably could get to you know beyond the group stages and you know perhaps pose more of a of a challenge to other teams than they have been able to do historically and I suppose you wonder if there is going to be a breakthrough to take football into the top tier of, of sports as far as, as American support is a, a concerned, then it, they may well be on the cusp of that. That might be later this year. And if all of a sudden there is a, a massive infu- new enthusiasm for football and if Evan can point to a history of, of taking that market seriously over a number of years, then maybe, maybe it'll, maybe it'll help, I suppose. I think every little helps. It's just that, just as people think there's a massive market out there, there isn't. I think, I think, I think five years ago, I think they did the thing about. I think Everton sell hundred thousand shirts worldwide. Yeah, hmm. which is which is in Premier League terms is is a lot, by the way. Um, you know, the like I think at the time Liverpool sold, you know, a lot more than that, but not not massively a lot more. And so you, you tend to, as I say, you tend to understate, you tend to overstate the importance of overseas because there's a cost involved. You've got to invest as well, haven't you? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got, you don't just get load of money for nothing. And and I think what what people do is they, they look at that. Well, the cost of, our, of investing in America is this, and we will get a return of that. But actually, if we invested that money elsewhere within the football club, we get far better, more bang for our buck. And I think that's what informs decisions. And there's not millions of people out there buying stuff. It just, just doesn't, doesn't exist. You know, you talk about like clubs like, I'd say they were to play friendly in America. They go, they're in and out, in and out in a day. <laughs> no, say what, what, there's a reason for that. Hmm. You know, and, and I just think, as I say, there's a, I, I don't, I don't get that argument. At all about massive untapped commercial income abroad? No, there isn't. You know, it, there might be income, but it'll cost you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so but it's good. To, we've got to play. We've played in America, going back mm. to the fifties, you know, and stuff. So mm. good to get us out there and 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 look really look forward to playing a uh, playing American American team and, and Arsenal as well. It should be yeah. good. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> I've got a, a piece going in tomorrow of a guy called Callum Williams, who's uh, he's the play-by-play um, broadcaster for the Minnesota United. He's actually an expat from Birmingham. Oh, no. He lives out there in, in Minneapolis, and he's very enthusiastic about it. And the prospect of Evertonians, uh, Joe knows about this. Um, he might get to have one himself uh, tucking into uh, a giant burger they have there called the Juicy Lucy, which... Um, Apparently, is a bit of a local delicacy. So we've got that to look forward to, at least. But, of course, a, a big thing about this uh, US tour will be obviously a, a big draw if Everton are still a Premier League team. So just one over, <laughs> over that one. And, uh, Joe, yeah, because we were disappointed that they didn't get the full three points at that Vicarage Road. But, obviously, they, they, this weekend now, it, it's, it's an intriguing one, isn't it? Because the different permutations that could happen, Everton could potentially kick off their game back in the bottom three, but depending on results, could actually finish the weekend safe. So, I mean, again, we're all going to have to go through it again um, come Sunday with uh, another huge home game against Brentford. I think that that is perhaps the reason for the the deflation among Everton supporters on Thursday and, and Wednesday night. Because I think I felt it myself, to, to be honest, the sense that, Whilst the point wasn't a bad result, what you had done is, if Everton had gone and won there, then really they'd have, they'd have been safe. I mean, yeah. not mathematically, but it would have been very difficult to see them going down. And, you know, the, by failing to win, what they've done is they've prolonged the anxiety, they've prolonged the, you know, the, the tension for at least another 90 minutes. And I think we're all knackered with it. The mm. players are probably knackered with it. We all are. Knowing that we're going to have to go go through it again, get ourselves up for for another game, which is you know all the cliches come out another of the biggest games of Everton's recent history, another cup final, etc. I don't think they'll start the game in the bottom three because I don't think that Burnley will beat Spurs. Obviously, um, Tottenham got a good win last night. They've got everything to play for. Uh, they need you know, Tottenham need to win that game. I'm not saying that they will win that game. It would be a very Spurs thing for them to, to not win it, but I, I don't think that they will lose it. Mm. The Leeds scenario is an interesting one because I mean their form is terrible. They're on a terrible you know their their the momentum is pointing downwards. They've got so many injuries, so many suspensions now that it's going to be a difficult end to the season, but they are not dissimilar to us in the fact that they've got two teams, two two games against teams that have nothing really to play for. Brighton looked exceptional against Manchester United um, and, and they have got good performances in them. Um, and I suppose part of the, the, the remainder of Everton's season, to some extent, depends on the value that, clubs place in where they finish in the league how important it is for them to finish in the top 10 as opposed to say 11th or 12th because obviously Brighton play Leeds at, at the weekend and a win would take them into the position for the top half of the table and similarly with Aston Villa when they when they play Burnley you know does it matter to them if they finish say 9th as opposed to 13th because if it does and they want to beat Burnley then that obviously helps us I think that whatever they need to do is they need to be in a situation where they're not relying on other results and they shouldn't really be in that situation. I think we'll all be very nervous if, if Leeds actually pull out a win against Brighton, which they, they could well do. We, we know that they have got goals in them for players like Rafinha. We do know that Brighton haven't got a lot to play for. But the dream scenario, I think, is that Everton go into... go into The, the dream scenario is obviously is Leeds lose and Everton go into Sunday's you know, 4.30 kickoff. They start that game knowing that realistically a point keeps them up because Leeds would have one game. 
they got one game left, a point with for Everton if Leeds were to lose would mean that there's three points separating the sides. Leeds' goal difference is so inferior, it's worth an extra point to Everton. So although they wouldn't be mathematically safe, they'd they would be all but safe. That, that's a dream scenario. If we were to win it uh, on Sunday, I, you know, I think I'm sure we'll be safe then. And I think that again, you, you're kind of almost in this this situation, I suppose, that we've been in going into Watford, where and we won't know how we won't we won't know all the factors that will define the approach until just before kickoff, really, once the the results of elsewhere have, have come in. But it, it is another one where you know, do you stick or twist? Do you? If you know that a win will guarantee your safety, you just go for it. You know, hope if you if you're aggressive that you come up against a side that isn't fighting for anything. You know, maybe get an early goal and, and make the last week of the season a lot easier for us. Or, and I suspect this is what Frank is going to do for some of the reasons we've already discussed. Or do you just play in a more conservative style, the style that clearly favours the set up the, the players that Evan have got available at the moment and just take what you can get on the basis that if you can just carry on a bit of momentum, carry on picking up points that you'll probably get there in the end. Yeah. I mean, Gavin, it's tr- intriguing, isn't it? The way that the, the three games are, are staggered across the, the day and then uh, Everton finish um, last. I mean, do you think that will play a part? I hope you're too right. It will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Up Burnley, Tottenham kicking off about 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. <laughs> Sunday league. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I mean, it's, it's fallen well for us, well, in theory, um, for us. I mean, I think I think Tottenham, that was a good result for us last night, wasn't it? Yeah. You know what? I think I think after Liverpool and Man City, I think the team I would want to play in the Premier League at the moment is probably Brighton. Mm, yeah, that's fair. To be honest with you, yeah. I haven't watched them. I like watching Brighton anyway because I think they're a really good team, really well coached team. And if you've seen them against Man United, that was not a team on the beach, was it? Um, because they're giving them a right, right hiding. And, and Leeds are doing everything we're not at the moment, aren't we? We're, we're being quite cool and calculated and strategic about things. Leeds are imploding, aren't they, in the moment? And I think that'll be a tough game for Leeds on on Sunday, regardless about whether they're imploding or not, because I would not want to play Brighton, especially that they're really good Brighton away from home as well. That's a really tough game. So, I mean, you could, couldn't hear you get to, by the time you play Brentford, where, you know, is it a point? If, if, the, other, if the other two get beat, is it a point we need? Yeah, if Leeds yeah. lose, a point wouldn't make us mathematically yeah, safe. Yeah, With yeah. the goal difference, it would require one hell of a yeah. swing. Or... Yeah, yeah. I, a Bristol Rovers type swing to <laughs> to, to uh, reverse things, yeah. But you just don't know, do you? Really, but it, it's worked out well for us. But only if the other two don't get the results. Um, but I just, it goes back to what we were saying at the start of the pod, isn't it? Like we talk about, oh, we should be doing a lot better and blah blah blah. Ooh. But we're still this three games at the end of the, the final week of the season. We're still relying on other teams' results to sort of <laughs> inform us. Which we shouldn't be like that. I think the one thing we do now is we can't go into next Sunday needing something. No, regardless yeah, of whether you know, you know, if oh, but we might only need something if the other team wins. We just don't want to be in that scenario. Full stop. So needs everything done and dusted by the time you finish playing Palace, really. Which I think we're capable of doing it, really. 
And Joe, of course, um, we've talked about the, the team though, but obviously the, the, the fans are going to play their, their part again. They've done that in the in the in the Chelsea home game. We saw those incredible send offs from Finch Farm for both the Leicester City and even the midweek Watford um, game. And uh, planning more, more of the same uh, come Sunday. And you know they, they're going to give it their all again. Yeah, I mean it's been absolutely phenomenal the way the supporters have rallied around the club in the last few weeks because it would be so easy, especially after the Burnley game. And everything that they, you know, they've been through not just this season but over recent years, it'd be so easy to have, have kind of lost faith and almost moved on to the the criticism and the post mortem of the season before it was over. And I think the way in which the supporters are, have united to, it's you know, they, they've they've realised the situation. They realise that they can play a big part if they unite and get behind the team. You know, we can just concentrate on survival first and perhaps ask questions later. And obviously on, on Sunday, it's going to be another big coach welcome. And, and having not won against Watford and you know still requiring um, positive results, you know, I suspect that it'll be another fantastic welcome for the side. It'll be another brilliant atmosphere inside Goodison Park as well. And hopefully it'll be enough to carry them over the line. So, you know, if they were to win on Sunday, you'd be surprised if that didn't leave them all, all but safe, if not mathematically confirmed as safe. So hopefully the best, I mean, the, the best way that the players can repay the, the supporters is by guaranteeing their safety, you know, getting the points that they need to stay up, however they come. But the really best, you know, the, 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 the most effective way, I think, I think everyone would be more grateful if they can guarantee their survival as early as possible and, and just, stop prolong, prolonging the agony of will they, won't they stay up? And if they can get a win on, on Sunday, that should, that should hopefully be enough. So fingers crossed that yeah, the fans will have, have proven time and time again that they will no doubt be there and do it for the day count to help have an over the line. So hopefully, you know, the players, and they will be tired, they'll be tired legs and tired minds because, you know, this is a, you know, a patched up squad going through a relentless period of fixtures, all of, all of which matter. They all mean something, but hopefully they can just get carried over the line by the fans on on Sunday and then we can look towards the summer in the hope of building for a season where obviously you know the the club isn't relying on the fans to kind of do a lot of the legwork for it so and you know hopefully the unity and the passion and the intensity and some of the scenes that we've seen outside and inside Goodison Park on the way days you know hopefully that that continues but hopefully it continues because it's there's a there's a, an operation that everybody can get behind and is confident that progress is being made as opposed to it being an absolute necessity to try and provide the extra 10 15 20 percent that's needed to get positive results the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo this episode is supported by fx's clipped the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I mean, you've said yourself, Gav, that you know uh, fans obviously play their part, but it's it's players who, who win and lose yeah. matches. Um, 
Brentford were uh, were Everton's uh, opponents for Frank Lampard's first game in charge. I mean, that was a four-one romp in the FA Cup. It could be quite different uh, come Sunday. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's a different competition. I mean, yeah. got the impression when we play Brentford that Brentford were not exactly going to be crying in a bear really for being knocked out. And then that reflected their their, their performance. It's a, it's a different competition. It's a different Brentford. I mean, they're on a great run, aren't they? Um, Christian Eriksen has made enormous difference to them. Yeah, they've obviously got Ivan Tony. It could be, I mean, I think, what are they, 43 points, are they? Something like that, Brentford. Yeah, yes, they could be really, really difficult opponents in the same mm-hmm. way as Brighton could be a difficult opponents for, for Leeds. And Leeds play Brentford last game of the season, don't they? Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, so... Not, 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 not a gimme. This. I mean, they're all saying, "Oh, yeah, we just need to better leads results and stuff." Well, <laughs> you know, as I say, going back to what we were saying at the start, you know, we have got weaknesses. We are below par in some areas, so it's going to be a tough game and a completely different game to uh, the FA Cup match for, for for lots of different reasons. So it's. It, it, it's inside. I think this tide, you touched on it there, this tide factor. I would imagine the last few weeks have been quite emotionally tiring for the players, mm. haven't it? Yeah. Really, for lots of reasons. And don't know about you, yeah, just thinking whether Frank might try and change a few things on on Sunday, maybe bring. I'm just I'm just wondering if he might start Calvert Lewin on Sunday, haven't brought him on. on There's a potential on, for that, isn't there? I mean, on, it, on I think it might not be a bad thing if he started Calvert-Lewin. I mean, you could keep the same shape, but make freshen things up by starting Calvert-Lewin up top and maybe having Richarlison ahead of one of Gordon or Gray. Yeah. And obviously, Alan's legs are going to be a lot fresher, so you, know, you could make an argument for for him coming in for maybe either Decore or obviously, you know, Delph. Yeah, I think Delph is is a is a concern going into the weekend anyway. So that might be an enforced change as as it is. Yeah, I think even if he was concerned, you'd with Delph, you'd have half an eye on the uh, the Palace game, wouldn't you? Mm. Thinking Palace would be four games in what eleven days. Delph got four games in the eleven days in him without it, and you think he may may uh, may may play Alan. Just thinking. Alan and Carver Lewin may come in on on Sunday just to freshen things up because there was some tired players there on Wednesday, which is only to be expected at this time of year and and the and pressure brings its own physical, you know, um mm. physical conditions. So I think yeah, maybe two or three changes will be will be warranted on, on Sunday without, as you say, changing the shape of the of the team and the and the general way we've approached things over the last few weeks. Well, we said how it might go. It's crunch time. If I, uh, if, 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 I if I start with you first, uh, Joe, um, are we going to go Sunday? Prediction, please. I think that if this team has taught us anything, even when things have been going a bit better in the past few weeks, that they don't like to make things easy for themselves or for, for us who are watching. So... Yeah, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be positive and go for a win. So I, I think that they are more than capable of beating Brentford, but I think it's going to be another agonising the uh, v90 minutes. So I'm going to go for for one nil to Everton. Okay. Sorry, yeah, 
Yeah, I was going to knock up my countdown page <laughs> this this week. Uh, I, I know what I think. It's so much is going to depend on what happens earlier on. On you know, on Sunday, yeah. I, I think he might just take a draw on Sunday. I think, I think one of my normal bottle job one all. Yeah. Um, we don't we don't score many, but we've not. I mean, the one thing that's been lost in all this Lampard being here, we are, we never concede at home, do we? Uh, it, no, it, we I mean we've only conceded against Man United and Chelsea, wasn't it? Conceded against Leicester in the one. Yeah, um, we we've not conceded many goals, even from open play, because Ivan Tony's penalty was a that was a penalty, wasn't it? Um, Leeds was uh, didn't concede, so we've not conceded many goals. Wolves was one. So either way, I'd say one all, uh, Chris. Yeah, and hopefully Brighton will do us a favour and. Spurs will do us a favour, and that will be enough to to ensure that we go to America in the summer. As hopefully as a tough light club. Yeah. Well, I will concur with with Joe again. I can't see it being anywhere near the the repeat of the FA Cup game. One um, nil Everton. Let's let, let's hope it is, and let's hope that one goal is enough. So, um, yeah, we'll um, we'll be back with you uh, next week, either way, for the final week of the Premier League season, as we'll be reflecting on what happens at the Everton, Brentford and those other matches. And then obviously there's the other final home game against Crystal Palace to come and then the trip to the Emirates face Arsenal on the the final day. So we've got all that to look forward to. I say that. Um, um, We've had Joe Thomas, Gavin Buckland and I've been your host, Chris Beasley. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.